do not love the world or the things in the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. Good morning again, church. Hey, have you ever been confused about the direction that you were going? Maybe you were unsure about a direction that you were going. You were on a trip, heading to a place, and you were confused about where you were actually heading. Or maybe you were pretty sure, but you weren't quite sure as to where you're going to end up. So when you were on this journey, you had some trepidation or maybe even some anxiety as you were trying to find your way to the place to where you were going. Look, I have no idea how people survived before GPS became more prominent. I don't know how people didn't either just die or end up in another state or country or anything like that without these little things that we have on our phone called GPS maps, okay? In fact, uh, how many of you guys remember that way before GPS was on our smartphone and so prominent in our culture, there was actually something called MapQuest? How many of you guys remember that? Yeah, back in the day, you actually had to go to this website called MapQuest, and you would actually put in your destination from your starting point to your end point, and it would tell you these turn-by-turn directions and tell you which way to go. In fact, my wife and I, we just celebrated 16 years of being married, and 16, oh, thank you guys. 16 years ago was our honeymoon, and on our honeymoon, before we went, I actually printed out a bunch of MapQuest directions that took us from our hotel where we were staying to every place we wanted to go, because I wanted to be sure that we got to the right place, because I didn't want to be murdered or killed on our honeymoon. I had no idea how people survived before GPS became more prominent, because I'm the type of person where I want to be sure that I know where I'm going. I want to know the very direction I'm going. And look, I know I may be turning in my man card in the moment, but even right now, I still use GPS in town to get to places where I'm going because, look, I want to know every single thing that's going to happen. I want to know turn by turn. I want to know ETA, my estimated time of arrival. I want to know if there's any detours. I want to know if there's any traffic. I want to know exactly what time I'm going to get there, when I'm going to be there, how I'm going to get there. I want to have absolute assurance of where it is that I'm going, turn by turn, step by step. I want to be sure. But how many of you guys know that I'm not just talking about traffic on 64, bridges being closed down, or tunnels you have to drive through? When it comes to your life, What direction are you going? When it comes to the very direction of your life right now, do you know where it is that you're heading? Look, we're coming to the conclusion of this series today, this series that we've been going through called So That You May Know. And today's passage that we're going to be in, look, it is weighty, but it's also directional. 
And today we're going to see as John has been repeating some things and building on some things and repeating some things and throwing in some, hey, by the ways as well. He's going to do that same thing again in this passage today as he repeats some things and builds on some things. And some of the things he's going to say, they almost seem like they're out of place. But this is the word of God. And what he was saying to these churches 2,000 years ago is even on time for us today. Today, as we go through this passage, remember, look, this is God's word. And even in God's word, when he produces some conviction and some correction, look, even in that, he loves you. Even in his conviction and his correction, he's showing how much he cares about you and how much it is that he wants for you. So today, as we go through this passage, if there is a bit of conviction or correction that happens, look, church, take the hit, okay? Take the hit, but take a step. Look, it is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. If you don't know what direction you're going, if you don't know where your life is heading, you need someone to follow. And let me just say, you need to follow Jesus. Look, today, as we've been doing so many times, we've been going through this series, we're going to start off with some congregational reading. And so for you guys who haven't been here the weeks when we've done this, or if you're brand new this morning, you're going to see some words up on the screen. Some of those words are going to be in bold. Those are the words that we're all going to read together. And then the words not in bold are the words that I'm just going to read, okay? So as we go through this, um, remember that what we're reading, these aren't just some random words on the screen, This is the word of God. Jesus even prayed for his disciples and even for us that God would take his word and he would use it to purify us, to sanctify us. So today, as you read this, also let it read you. Uh, Let's go ahead and stand if you're able to. And we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 6. And listen to what the word of God says. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born concerning his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, We know that we have the request that we ask of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask God and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. 
Look, I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. And we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is a true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Look, before you head to your seat today, because we're finishing up this series today, we're in 1 John chapter 5. Look, I want you to high-five three pe- five people around you today. I want you to high-five five people around you today because we're in 1 John chapter 5. And I want you to tell them, wait, 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 stop. Don't start it yet. What are you doing, residents? We'll fire all of you guys. I want you to high-five five people, and I want you to tell them, actually, rather ask them this question, which way are you going, okay? High-five five people, and just ask them, which way are you going? Come on, church. Which way are you going? Do you need some direction? John says, so that you may know. And here, I think he's going to tell, he was telling this church 2,000 years ago. And again, because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's even challenging us today that we may know which way we're to go. In fact, I think he gives a couple directional things here that were powerful for them back then. And I think the Lord wants to share with us today. So there's three directions I want to show you that we are to head today from this passage. So the first one, if you're looking so that you may know which way to go, the first direction we need to head toward, that we need to head toward Christ. Because the narrow way is the only way. Even right now, In 2023, no matter what season of life you're in, even if you are in Christ, right now we are called, we are challenged ahead toward Christ because even right now, the narrow way is the only way. Look again what John says here in verse six. He says, this is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. John here gives the testimony of testimonies. Some of you guys may remember from the very first part of the series, John started off by giving his testimony. And remember, he was someone who actually literally saw Jesus when he was here on earth. He walked and talked with Jesus. He saw Jesus do the things that he, that he did and heard Jesus teach the things that he taught. In fact, John even says in 1 John chapter 1, he says, look, I have 
heard, I have seen, and I've even touched. He's saying, look, I physically saw Jesus. And remember what we're reading here. Again, this isn't just some random words or just some random stories that were written down. Look, this is an eyewitness account by a very real John who really did live in the first century, who literally heard Jesus teach the things that he did, who saw Jesus do these incredible miracles, who saw Jesus suffer and die on the cross, but then saw Jesus bodily raise again from the dead. And John says, look, I've given you this testimony of who Jesus is. And he's given his testimony. And now he moves away from his disciple following testimony, his apostolic testimony. And he gives a testimony that's even greater. It's a testimony of testimonies. It's a testimony of God that comes through the spirit. He says, look, there are three that testify. One of the principles that's echoed all throughout scripture is that a testimony is established. It is confirmed by two or three witnesses. It is established. It is verified by two or three witnesses. And John says in verse seven, he says, for there are three that testify, the spirit and the water and the blood. And he says, these three agree. Now, church, stay with me here for a moment, okay? This is some Bible nerd out stuff, okay? Stay with me here for a moment. Remember what we talked about in the first century? There was this philosophy, this teaching by this guy named Serenthus, who taught something called docetism, which pretty much said that Jesus was born just a regular man. He was a regular man. And then at his baptism, the spirit of Christ came and landed on Jesus and empowered him to do all these miracles. And then at the crucifixion, the spirit of Christ peaced out and left Jesus all by himself. And Jesus was just a regular man again, and he died just a regular man, did not rise from the dead. But even right here, look, John is pushing against the false teaching that the culture was trying to bring inside the church. He's pushing against these, these philosophies that were trying to tear down who Jesus actually was and what the church had, been, had learned about Jesus and learned about the gospel. And he's pushing against these false teachings. In fact, the water right here is a reference to Jesus' baptism. And at Jesus' baptism, look, the heavenly father witnessed from heaven to who Jesus was as he spoke from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The Holy Spirit descended on Christ like a dove. And of course, there is the Son of God right there coming up out of the water. Look, the blood points to the witness of God the Father about Jesus on the cross. Even when Jesus was on the cross, Jesus said, Father, glorify yourself. And then again, the Father speaks from heaven and says, I have glorified myself and I will glorify myself again. Talking about when Jesus rose from the dead. So again, the Father witnesses to Jesus from heaven. And then he does all these incredible signs and wonders after Jesus dies, where the earth shook, the region was covered in darkness, the veil in the temple torn in two, and also some dead people got up out of their graves and started to walk around and testify to other people that Jesus was who he says he was. And then the Spirit, the Spirit is a reference to the fact that the Spirit of God testifies to who Christ is, and the Spirit is truth. Look, even more than John's witness, you have God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit testifying to who Jesus is. Look, there is no greater testimony. And even though what Jesus did back in the first century was seen by literally thousands of people, and even though him raising from the dead was seen by over 500 people, saw the resurrected Jesus, even though John himself has given his own testimony, even though I'm sure many of you could testify to what Jesus has done in you and through you, John says there's still a greater witness. And that greater witness comes from the Father himself. It comes from God himself. God himself has given a testimony. And you know what? With his testimony, there's not even any verification needed. But John says, look, even with this, look, these three agree. Dr. Tony Evans, an author and a pastor and a theologian, look, he says, the tragic truth is that in spite of the threefold testimony God has provided, he says, too many people believe man rather than God. He says that's the equivalent to calling God a liar. However, God's testimony is greater. He's the only one who needs no margin of error. Look, John gives the testimony of testimonies from God himself that Jesus is who he says he is. There's no margin of error. But then he's also pointing to the testimony of the one way, the testimony of the only way. All throughout Scripture, all throughout the New Testament, it points out there's only one way to God. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to eternal life. And when you move toward Christ, when you're moving toward Christ, like you are on the narrow way. In fact, listen to what Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide And the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And then Jesus himself said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And in John chapter 10, verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Then he simply asked, do you believe this? And right where we're here, where we we are today in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, John says, and this is the testimony, the testimony of testimonies that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Look, if there's one direction that we need to move in life, we need to move toward Christ. We need to understand that the narrow way is the only way. In fact, let me just say to you this morning that God does not want your eternity to be a mystery. He's made it so clear in his word. So uh, the second direction that John gives us here, that we can move toward, is that we can move toward heaven, dot, 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 or not. We can move toward what God is calling us to, and an eternity with him, or not. Listen to what he says here again in verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Again, that you may know that you have eternal life. And in verse 16, he says, look, if anyone sees his brother 
committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, And then he said, there is sin that leads to death, and I do not say that one should pray for that. And he says, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. Now, you remember how I said that John, again, no offense to anybody, but because he's probably in his later years in life at this point, that he repeats some things, tells some same stories, repeats some things, tell some same stories, and he repeats some things again. Anybody knows anybody like that that does that? No? Just me? A couple of people do? Okay. And right here, again, he's doing the same thing, but it almost sounds a bit confusing this time, okay? So let me just give you a little bit of clarity here on what John is trying to tell the church here. Uh, first, he's trying to say, look, if, if you are in Christ, you are on the pathway to eternal life. Look, if you are actually in Jesus, if you've received the testimony of testimonies, if you have believed in Jesus, if you are following him, if you are in Christ, you are on this pathway of eternal life. Again, in verse 13, he says, look, he says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Again, that you may know. Okay, there's there's an assurance that he's giving here that you may know that you have eternal life. And then he says, look, all wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. And again, what John is referencing here, and it's what we talked about a few weeks ago, he's talking about the process of salvation. That when someone trusts in Christ, when they get saved, when they become a Christian, that their salvation is leading to eternal life, and that salvation has three parts to it. Uh, The first part is justification. This is where the righteousness of Christ covers us forever. You have eternal life, John says. Look, author and pastor and theologian John MacArthur, look, he says that, look, again, this is the assurance that the believer has, that when they have repented of their sin and believe in Jesus, that the righteousness of Christ now covers them for eternity. This is what we talk about when we say that we are now freed from the penalty of sin, Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have now been freed from the penalty of sin. Come on, remember, Jesus is our propitiation. That means that the wrath of God is now turned away and that the love of God is now lavished on those who have now placed their faith in him and their trust in him. This is the justification and the assurance of eternal life that the believer has. But another part of that salvation is something called sanctification. Look, this is where even though we have received eternal life, we have eternal life, we're still living this earthly life here on earth. Look, this is where Jesus is working in us and through us. Look, the Spirit of God is working in us and through us, and he's conforming us to the image of Christ. Look, this may be where you say, look, I know that I'm not where I should be. This is where you say that even in what I know God's called me to do, I'm not where I should be, but praise God because he's working in me. I'm not where I used to be. Look, we've been freed from the penalty of sin, but in Christ, by his spirit right now, he's helping us to overcome the power of sin in our lives. So when we are stepping back into darkness, it's when God convicts us 
and he challenges us to see that there still is the better way. And even though it is the narrow way, it still is the better way to go. Would you again return to him and trust in him and follow him? Because where he's purifying you and he's sanctifying you. But then there's also something coming as part of our salvation. That's called glorification. And the day is coming when this eternal life that we have, that we will see the fullness of it. And we will get to be with Jesus. There's something so powerful in the promise of God. Look, his salvation isn't cheap. The price that was paid was high. But John is saying here, look, you may still sin, but if you are in Christ, it is not leading to death. You may still struggle with it, and you are free from the penalty of sin. But right now, the Holy Spirit of God working in you is helping you to overcome the power of sin. Look, if you are in Christ, you are on the pathway to eternal life. But what he's also saying here is if you are not in Christ, you're on the pathway to death. The sin that leads to death is the rejection of Christ. The sin that leads to death is the rejection of the narrow way. The sin that leads to death is a rejection of the resurrection and the life. The sin that leads to death is a rejection of the way, the truth, and the life. Look, when you reject the narrow way, the only way, it is leading somewhere. And it's leading to a place where the wrath of God is not turned away. Because you've rejected that propitiation that Jesus freely offers. But it's leading to a place where the wrath of God will be poured out for eternity. Look, because the word of God says it, because Jesus even talked about this place called hell of eternal punishment, I believe, we believe it is true. Look, it is a place for those who reject the testimony of testimonies that God himself has given It's a place for people who reject that eternal life is only found in Christ. Look, if you are not in Christ, you are on a pathway to eternal punishment, to eternal death. Look, when we preach about this, we're not trying to scare people into heaven, but we're trying to show people that there is a better way than hell. Um, a few weeks ago, I had a chance to speak at a basketball camp for some students in the area. And these students ranged in age anywhere from, I think, about eight years old up to about 16, 17 years old. One of the lessons I was teaching them, I simply asked them the broadest question in the world that anybody could ask you. I simply asked them, hey, what in the world is this life all about? And I had no idea at that moment if any of them were Christians or not, or any of them had trusted in Jesus or where they were at spiritually, had no idea where any of them were. So I said, what in the world do you guys think this life is all about? And one of the students was like, I don't know, I have no idea what this life is all about. Yeah, no idea. Um, Another student said, hey, one of the things that this life is all about is, is achievement. Look, I need to achieve some stuff. And it was a basketball camp. And, and of course, like one of the goals in life is that I want to get into the NBA. Like that is what this life is all about. If I get into the NBA, I'm fulfilling my life. Like that's what it's all about. Um, another student said, and we're getting a little bit deeper here. Another student said, hey, this life is all about if you can, you can achieve some things, 
But if you can pass it on to your children one day, look, that is what this life is all about. I can get some stuff and then pass it on to them one day. And then one student said, again, I don't know if this student was a Christian or not, or whether he just had some sort of insight or not. And what he said was, he said that this life is to prepare us for whatever it is that's coming after this life is over. And I really do think, and I think, look, even if you're in this room today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus or you're watching online today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, you know deep down inside that this life is not it. Even in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, look, the word of God says that God has put eternity in the hearts of people. Look, that feeling you have, that thought you have, that knowledge you have, look, even that urge you have that this life ain't all there is, is even from God. And that feeling you have and that thought you have and that knowledge you have that after this life on earth is over, there is something more. That more is either eternal life with Jesus or it's an eternity apart from him. You know, John later on would even write, after he wrote this letter in 1 John, he would have this incredible vision and this encounter with Christ that's been recorded in what's called the book of Revelation. John wrote this, but he also wrote the book of Revelation which talks about some future things that were coming. And in that he shared, look, if you are not in Christ, what the future looks like, what that eternity looks like. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, he says, but for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all the liars, he says their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, if you look at that list, okay, if you look at that list, I'm sure every single person in this room would fall into that list. And what it's saying here that God is serious about sin. And if we don't do something about our sin problem, like this is our destiny. But praise God in what Jesus has done. Because he's, he's provided this propitiation. Again, if you are in Christ, listen to what the believer gets, those who have trusted in him in Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. Look, John says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he was seated on the throne, said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down. For these words, they are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. And then in 22 verse 3, he says, No longer will there be anything accursed, 
but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. There will be no need for the light of a lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Come on, church, which way are you going? Which way are you going? What direction is your life heading right now? Come on, are you on this pathway to eternal life? Or are you on this pathway to death? Because God has given us a way. And that way is through Jesus Christ. Look, this Jesus who is God wasn't just some random guy who was uh, supernatural for a moment, but he is God. And he died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. And he bodily rose from the dead. And scripture says, if you repent of that sin and you believe this good news about Jesus, you receive this life to the full that he wants for you right now, right here. But you also get this eternal life. Come on, do you know? Do you know what direction you're going? John says you can be sure that you have eternal life or you don't. Last direction I think he gives us here and I want to share with you this morning. Number three, and we want to know which way to go so that we may know the very direction we need to head is toward one another and away from idols. Look, even right now, we need to head toward one another and away from idols. Again, look what he says here in verse 14. He says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And in verse 20, he says, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is a true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Look, John says we have this confidence toward God. And again, it is directional, okay? We have this confidence toward God. And then he says, hey, make sure you pray, okay? You need to make sure you pray. Then he says, Jesus is a true God. Again, the narrow way is the only way. And then he says, keep yourself from idols, the end. That's it, my letter's over. Keep yourself from idols, the end. It's so interesting here that at least up until this point, he hasn't even mentioned the word idols in all of this book that we've been in for the past 12 weeks. And again, it almost seems like he interjects something random here. Like he ends this letter with this random thing. Oh, by the way, keep yourself from idols. And what John was talking about here, and sometimes we may still picture idols, like these little like carved images that maybe you might take into your house or worship in. I know it's not prominent in the United States whatsoever, but he's not talking about these little carved or shaped images, even though it could be. But what he's talking about again here is what he's been repeating and building upon and saying again and repeating and building upon over and over and over again. I've heard it said that idolatry is when you take anything and you make it a God thing. When you take anything or even anyone and you put it in the place in your life where God should be. So this is where we actually do love the darkness more than the light. 
This is actually where we actually will love love more than we love God. Where love is from God. And understanding that we don't worship love, but we worship God because love is from God. Look, this is where we actually love the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes more than Christ. Look, idolatry is where we don't confess sin because we're actually loving sin more and more instead of loving Christ more and more and sin less and less. It's where we've taken the disinformation when we trust and believe the spirit of error instead of the spirit of truth. When any other way seems like it is the better way instead of the way, the truth, and the life. Again, church, what direction are you going? Are you moving away from idolatry or are you heading toward it? But then there's something else that I saw here again this week that I wanted to share with you. Uh, Stephen, can you put verses 14 through 15 back up there? Can you put verses 14 through 15 back up there? Okay, so in this verse right here, and if you have a good old analog Bible, I want you to circle in these passages how many times John says, we and your and us, and just listen to this again, okay? He says, and this is a confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And in verse 20, he says, and we know that the son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. He is a true God and eternal life. And he says, little children, plural. And again, remember he wasn't saying, hey guys, you guys are just the baby Christians out there, okay? Remember John is this elder statesman and he's talking to them um, as, as if they were children because he's kind of like this spiritual grandfather, father to them. And he's talking about how he loves them and it's how he views them. But he says, children, plural. And he says, keep yourselves away from idols. Again, this is the same one another that John has been stressing and repeating and saying over and over again, repeatedly in his word. Like he's saying, look, church, don't miss this because so many people do. Look, he's saying here that we need to be moving toward one another. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, you cannot do this life alone. You need one another. In fact, some of you are in Christ and you experience the power of God in your life, you know you have this eternal life, you know you are heading toward eternal life in Christ, but right now, are you moving away from one another? Are you even moving toward idols? Have you made something else in your life, whether that's emotional, whether that's possessions, whether that's money or a relationship, is there something in your life that you are making that thing a God thing? Are you moving away from one another, moving away from God, and are you moving toward idols? You know, I've asked this question before a few weeks ago, but do you feel stuck right now? Are you stuck in sin? Do you feel like you're stuck in a season? Do you feel like you're stuck in darkness? Look, don't hold on to that darkness as if it were God. Don't treat it that way, but turn to the Lord. 
repent, and come back to him. Look at what God has given you to be able to overcome. Come on, church, which way are you going to go? We need to move away from idols and toward one another. Remember, God said in his word, as he was speaking to John, like he said, the greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And God has given us this great tool in one another to help us overcome the darkness that sometimes try to creep back into our life. So are you moving away from idols and toward one another? Look, all throughout this letter, look, John has challenged us and he's testified us that we need to recognize the patterns that we're building today because they're literally determining who we're becoming tomorrow. Like we need to examine our lives right now to see the patterns that are being built in our lives because they're literally determining who we're becoming tomorrow. Church, do you like what you see? Do you like the direction that you're going? Do you see that any of these one another's are being built up in your life? Again, we've been in this series now for 12 weeks. This is the last part of it. And I hope you know that every time we teach the word of God, it's not just to say, hey, that was a good message, pastor. Man, God wants to do something in you and through you. He wants to challenge you. He wants to change you to make you like his son. He wants the power of what he's put in his word and in his spirit to not just exist here on Sunday morning, but right there in your home. Come on, are you testifying to one another? Again, John has challenged us that we would be a people who actually testify to one another. So are you testifying to one another? Are you telling the truth to one another? Come on, we need to step out of the darkness and step into the light. Are you actually telling the truth to one another. Man, some of you right now, even in your home, even in your marriages, like you actually need to tell the truth to one another. You've been burying some things like deep down under the rug, but you actually need to speak the truth in love, speak the truth in grace, and you need to tell the truth to one another. Step out of the darkness and step into the light. Look, we are called to challenge and correct one another. As John has been helping us to see for the past 12 weeks, and again, even in correction, God loves us. He's not trying to hurt us. He's trying to help us. And we're called to serve one another. Again, to pray for one another. He says, look, when we pray and we ask, he hears the things that we say. We are to pray for one another. And of course, he's challenged us over and over and over again to love one another. Come on, church, are you moving away from idols and toward one another? And Jesus even said, If you love one another, the world will know that you are my disciples. As our worship team comes back up to the stage, and as we wrap up this series, again, church, what direction are you going? What direction are you heading? You know, we made a couple of confessions a few weeks ago, and I thought I would kind of end this series by giving us some testimony, some things to testify to. So because we know we have eternal life. This will be our testimony. We will always testify of the only way to go. Look, we won't bow down to idolatry, but Christ in me. Look, we will love one another because he has first loved us. In fact, as we get ready to sing one more song, would you stand And I want you to kind of make this your testimony, kind of declare this out loud as well, together as a church. And again, it's the one another's that we need to move toward. And let's make this our testimony because we know 
that we have eternal life. So let's say this together. Look, we won't bow down to idolatry, but Christ in me. Again, if the Lord has said it, we're going to submit to it. There's nothing that we're going to make a God thing because only God is the person that we are going to follow with our whole lives. Look, we choose Christ over culture, so we won't bow down to idolatry, but Christ in me. Let's say that second one together. Look, we love one another because he first loved us. And let's say the last one together. We will always testify of the only way to go. Again, the presence of Christ in us is greater than the pressure of the world outside of us. As we make these confessions, let's also make this our testimony. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. And God, thank you that you have showed us the way to go. God, I pray, Lord, by your spirit, Lord, by your word, that we would move toward Christ. And again, Lord, we would know that the narrow way is the only way. And Lord, that wouldn't just be something that we declare out loud on a Sunday morning, but we would do that right there in our homes, God, in our lives, in our neighborhoods. And God, when we depart from that, Lord, convict us, challenge us. God, may we even call one another out because the narrow way is the only way. And God, I even pray for the person today who's in this place. And God, they haven't yet trusted you where they move toward you because eternity is at stake. And Lord, there is a better way than hell. And that's eternity with you. And I pray, God, that even right now, they will repent of their sin, believe the gospel, and receive you as Lord. But help us, Lord, to move toward one another and move away from idols. God, we make it our confession that we won't submit to idols, but Christ in us. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.